Well, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, actually. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. We often record Monday afternoon, but today we're going to do it on Tuesday because it's sunny. No, that's not why, but it is nice and sunny. Anyway, this is to, this is the um, Citywide Next Steps podcast where we talk about uh, what we talked through in the sermon and we give the speaker a chance to elaborate more. But as we start, we acknowledge and pay our respect to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. We also pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and seas over the past thousands of generations. So with us this morning, we've got John um, Bignall all the way from Lindisfarne, um, the holy place. So welcome, John. John was our sermon speaker this week uh, talking about the sheep and the goats. And then we've got Matt Garvin, the senior pastor of Citywide Church. So now, guys, to put you through your paces, John, you started the sermon by saying that you're a city boy. I thought you were going to start. I thought you were going to say that you found it hard enough to tell the front end of a sheep from the back end, but you apparently know more about sheep than that. Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I thought what we'd do to start off with is do a little quiz between the three of us. Well, between the two of you, um, okay. I've, I found this quiz called Sheep or Goat. Okay, now. Do you know which of the animals has a rectangular pupil? Okay, that's a good question. Is it a sheep or a goat? Any idea? Uh, so you should this one. No, we're, we're about to hit this one. And I also, um, one of these two animals has a uh, sensory gland between its hooves, which is quite interesting. I don't know if you know which one. Let's go for this. So is this a sheep or a goat? Um, goat. By the way, everybody listening to this, this will be a little less interesting because there's actually a picture <laughs> on the screen. But so we've okay. got a picture of a white sheep or goat. It's a lamb or a kid. Which one, guys? We're going to it's a kid. go for a paint. Oh, yeah, I'd say, I would say kid, goat. And why are you saying that? Uh, long legs and um, tail is sort of pointing up. Okay, all right. Go with that, okay. Let's call it a goat. Okay. Oh, you're so clever. Okay. All right, next one. It, it bars at you and says, you're so clever. Okay, next one. Is this a sheep or a goat? Um, I think it's a sheep one. I think, why is that? I think that's uh, a goat as well. I think, I think it might be a sheep because it, I don't know, it looks like a sheep, apart from the, <laughs> the, the horns on its head. Yeah, that's true. So we've got, we've got a white, white animal with short hair. It's um, got not really curly horns, but just a slight bend on them. Hmm. I, I don't have a reason except that I, I think the psychology of quizzes, uh, that I'm likely to do two of the same answer in a row, and, <laughs> and it looks a little bit like a sheep. John, what are you going for? I'm going goat. Okay. Oh, we need one answer because I can't press both buttons. Uh, okay. Well, John, I think you took the last time. So, Matt, we're going to go with yours. What did you say? I, I, I did say sheep. He says sheep. He said sheep. Okay. And the reason for a sheep is... Yeah, you're right. It is a sheep. Okay, it's a sheep. Now, for those who can't see, well, I was a city boy. Go to YouTube and have a look. It really does look like a goat. I would have said goat myself. Except it doesn't have a goatee, so that could could be something. Next one. We've only got five of these. So this is a picture of what to me looks like a sheep with a bell around its neck out in a fairly arid area. Is this a sheep or a goat? A goat. Why is that, John? Because I don't like its ears. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to let you take the lead, Matt. Have you got any? 
I, 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 think I, I think I would have said sheep, but I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't okay. But, but we, we don't like it here, so let's say goats. That's great okay. logic. I am uh, a sheep. It's a sheep. So okay. I'm sorry, John, you lose that one. That means you've got two out of three right between you. Okay, now we've got a very woolly um, looking thing where yeah. this, the, the parent sheep or goat has horns that bend at the top. Is this a sheep or a goat? For those who are listening online, I really hope you've got three out of three so far. Goat. Okay. It's a, it's a goat because the tails are up. Okay, tails are up, so it's a goat. Matt, you got anything to offer? Uh, yeah, no, I think it could, could be a goat. I really don't know. Let's go. Okay, try and keep this moving. Okay, yeah. uh, I agree with the tail decision there, John. So yeah, goats have up, up-facing tails. All right, next one. <laughs> no tail in sight. This next <laughs> one's up on the mountains. <laughs> it, it does have ears that you're not going to like, John. No. It's panting, sure. if that's a clue. Is this a sheep or a goat? I think it's a sheep. It's got sheep knees. <laughs> it's got sheep knees. <laughs> it's got split hooves. Okay, we're going to say sheep on this one. Yeah. All right, you are professional. Yep, it's a sheep. Okay, so that means you guys got four out of five. Oh, we can actually subscribe or something. Anyway, that's oh, right. that's the end. So right. sheep or goats, four out of five. So you guys, I want to point out technically, in, technically, I got five. Technically, okay. Okay, okay. So Matt got five out of five. So at the end times, if Jesus is looking for some helpers to divide the sheep and the goats, <laughs> yeah. Are we confident yeah. enough to put Matt <laughs> forward? As, okay. Anyway, back to here. <laughs> so, um, just I'll, 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 we're, we're going to read through a passage. So this is the passage we did on the sheep and the goat. So Matt, if you would be happy to take that for us, um, I'll Absolutely. just on. So have a read. Uh, Matthew twenty-five thirty-one to forty-six. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him. He'll sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. 
Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Hey, it's a nice, easy passage, this one for you, John. How was your experience preparing for this sermon? I, I was a bit concerned at first. I mean, uh, uh, it is in most of the Bibles that I had access to labeled the final judgment. And looking at the text, particularly at the beginning, it didn't seem to be like a parable. Um, the, it was a, a, a more prophetic about this is what Christ said would happen. And hmm. The allusion to the sheep and goats was like um, uh, uh, a simple illustration to, of something that they would normally see um, because they had mixed flocks uh, at, the, at that time. And hmm. it was necessary to uh, several levels of sorting, um, sheep and goats and then blemish from unblemished and things like that. So this sorting out process was something that they would recognize. Hmm. Do you think there's a reason why Jesus chose sheep and goats? Sorry? Do you think there's a specific reason why Jesus chose sheep and goats? Oh, I I had a quick look and there's about 300 references to sheep in the Bible and about 150 to goats. And it... it, uh, I think it was, um, like I say, it was something that was normally they would see and of a separation, uh, uh, which is about the judgment. Which mm. side of the line are you going to, to be on? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and I think the imagery and symbolism of sheep is is very strong throughout throughout the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, um, you know, the, the lost sheep, uh, things like that. Um, but as you said in one of your previous uh, messages, Dan, it's, uh, I don't think we should press these uh, um, uh, metaphors too, too hard <laughs> because, uh, you know, you can get lost in, in it. Um, but it's interesting, for instance, that uh, uh, the Lord's my shepherd, um, it would have been a mixed flock. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Psalm 23, it doesn't say sheep, mm. it just says the Lord's my shepherd. So it would have been this mixed flock of sheep and goats. Mm. Um, so, um, and, uh, so, which is interesting, but you know, it's like one of the rabbit holes you can go down. Mm, yep. So you say you say this is more like a prophecy than a parable. Can you explain the difference? Well, I think. Uh, well, uh, it, the the text says, you know, when the Son of Man comes, uh, he will sit on his glorious throne. Mm. Uh, it, it it's all nations will be gathered. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like oh, imagine that this is an idea uh, and you can think of things like this this is actually mm. something what's going to happen and so most of the other parables and there will be a separation and mm. the separation is like when the shepherd uh, separates his sheep and goats yeah, yeah. Uh, i think it, it's just a useful 
sort of tool that I could use in the uh, hmm. in the rest of the talk to bring us back to say, well, which side are you are you on? Yeah. Yeah, because most of the parables above it say the kingdom of heaven is like. So they actually start with the metaphor and build on that. Yes. And, and so paint a picture. Whereas this one actually starts with a, this is how it's going to be. And then it moves into the metaphor. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Now, there's, I don't know if metaphor is the correct English grammar word. Matt, you use a different word for that. I can't remember what it was. Do I? Hmm. No, we'll move on. Can't, can't remember. Okay, so John, what was it like preparing that sermon? With it? It's quite a heavy burden, that one. Uh, not, not too bad. I mean, um, I think it it, it rolled out. Um, uh, however, I did go through several iterations and um, um, uh, I found um, some particularly... Uh, strong and meaningful stuff to me that I thought was worth sharing. So, mm. But yes, it was, I think it was at least version four or five and there were many subversions as well. So, mm. uh, uh, but that's the process. So, mm. uh, and, and do we appreciate the time that people put into their sermons? It's, yeah. a, it's a big job. And just, just in general, not, not specifically today, but just thanks for those who do the speaking at church and just how much time and effort they put in. Yeah. There's no one who benefits more from the sermon than the speaker. Well, uh, yes. Often. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very, very much so. I'm, I'm preaching to myself, really. Hmm. So we started off, you started off with Jesus reminding us of three things that are going to happen. John, what were they? Uh, well, the first judgment. Um, you know, this is about judgment and there will be a judgment and there's no escaping it and it's going to happen and to some extent uh, that's a um, a readjustment or a reminder you know we like to think and we preach often about a loving God and mm. a, a, a graceful God um, but it's also the God of judgment. Hmm. And, um, um, we don't like to think about that too often, and so we tend to go the other way, which is much more comfortable because it's hmm. uncomfortable to think about these hmm. things. Um, yeah. So that's the first part, and the second part is what the basis for that judgment will be, hmm. and um, which goes into all of the um, your Protestant two-step and uh, James's uh, faith and works uh, arguments and mm. things mm. like that. But since you've already covered those, I didn't have to bother, so, mm. which was good. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, the basis for judgment is uh, how we love other people. Um, mm. And... Um, um, so, you know, that's really, it's a simple thing. I mean, it's not like there's great debate about it. It's just very mm. clear that this is mm. how, it's, how it's going to be. Mm. Um, and the third thing is that, uh, you know, he 
through the repetition uh, that he makes with uh, the, the two, two groups, they both are surprised. You know, so hmm. oh, when, did, when, when did that happen? Uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't know that. Hmm. Um, but it shouldn't be a surprise hmm. because, you know, our salvation uh, is linked with us uh, then responding in love. Mm -hmm. uh, in grace ourselves. Uh, I suppose there is, I then was able to go on and expand on, on some of that and what that mm -hmm. might look like in, in our lives. Um, um, Matt, Matt, in this bit, um, I feel like it's worth exploring a bit further. We, we are saved by faith. Um, mm -hmm. So there's, what's the difference between salvation and judgment? Uh, well, a judgment is a judgment between two things, and uh, it's the way we think about salvation uh, is a result of that judgment. In in the Bible, salvation is a much broader word. Uh, there's actually two words uh, for salvation, and and one is a is a much more whole whole of life kind of thing. It's a mm. Uh, and entering into freedom it's a freedom from the disease of sin it's, it's a whole it's a whole it's a much bigger and broader thing um but uh one of the things i i actually just recorded a short i, I haven't been telling people about it so much but every morning i've been the last few weeks just recording a little a little snippet about a bible verse uh, on our youtube channel just putting it up and uh the last couple of days i've been talking about the glory of God, as revealed in Exodus 34. Uh, and uh, one of the things that is a little uncomfortable about that, but we have to come to terms with, this is what John was just talking about, is that in Exodus 34, as God reveals his glory, what he reveals is who he is, what his moral nature is. Uh, and he reveals this beautiful, warm, merciful and compassionate, you know, abounding in love. That's the, that's the God that... We're all keen on, but then he also reveals that uh, he will not leave the guilty unpunished, uh, and that there is this this judgment, this justice at the heart of who he is too. And it, and as human beings, we'll tend to want to be either generally we'll focus on we sort of judgment kind of people, wanting the black and white letter of the law for everybody apart from ourselves usually. Uh, or else um, we'll tend to be merciful and compassionate kind of people and just wanting to give everybody a big hug. Uh, and we'll then interpret the Bible through one of those lenses, sort of black and white, rigid, or, you know, warm and cuddly, fuzzy. But mm. in God, you you have to live in the tension of both. And it's not a simple tension, but we actually see Jesus comes full of grace and truth. It's not either or. Uh, and And so... Uh, if there was no judgment, uh, then it, then we wouldn't have a God who was just. A justice, like the Bible actually says, that the the earth is full of the glory of God. Uh, that there is a, and um, Martin Luther King said the 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 arc of history bends towards justice. One mm. of the one of the ways we can cope as human beings in a really messy, horrible world, and particularly 
many of us have been on the raw end of lots of different things, um, is one of, one of the things that I can rest in is that ultimately there is a God who is just and, and ultimately evil will be dealt with. Um, and so, so it's not comfortable to think about it but it's also, it, it wouldn't be God without it. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a perfect God without justice, ultimately, without a, without a judgment. Mm. Uh, and at the heart of our faith uh, is the, the, the ultimate picture of, ju- of judgment, but it's also the ultimate picture of love and mercy, and that's the cross. Mm. And I, I actually think that's why Jesus tells us to carry our cross, to take up our own crosses, the only way to live in that tension, which I think we're called to do, between mercy and compassion and justice, is in the shape of a cross. And I, John, John, you used the words uh, crucified love, I think. Was yeah. That? It's a, a crucified love that we're called to, to share. Mm. You can't have a crucified love without a cross. Mm. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I think the subtlety here and uh, the concern is that um, this is not sheep and wolves. This is sheep and goats uh, in the mixed flock. And um, uh, it's it's not the outright uh, evil stuff. Mm. It's the more subtle um, uh, omissions and uh, things like that that are being brought forward here. Um, and uh, so it, it, it's already the, the mixed flock. The, um, mm. the wolves are condemned uh, full stop. It's, uh, it's a bit more uh, uh, fine, <laughs> fine judgment. Of, well, uh, it, it's, I think it's fine for us. But I, ultimately, this is a parable about the kingdom, isn't it? Like it's a, it's a parable of the king. And, 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 and Jesus is naming... Okay, who who of you lived as though I was king on earth? Mm. Our prayer is, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. The the great, um, I, think, I think the great temptation for Christians is to replace God with ourselves or other things at the centre of our lives, and and that ultimately this this question, I I I. I think it, it, it's a it's a haunting parable and it's, and it's scary at one at one level because it's tempting to think it's easy to go gee have I visited enough prisoners have I mm. you know given an, enough clothes to the Salvation Army you know how how does this work but I, I think ultimately it comes back to Dan's Protestant two step shuffle um, but but it and it should and it really should be. Um, it should be challenging for us. Like it should, I, I think, I, I love what you are saying. It's easy to get into a comfortable, settled, safe version of Christianity. And I, I loved when you said, how on earth did we get to a safe version of Christianity from this story, from who Jesus is? And because it's not safe. And, it, and, and following Jesus is not safe. It ultimately means dying to yourself and because you're dying to yourself, reflecting his love to people who hurt you or people who are hard to love. Um, 
And so it's it's not a it's a, it's confronting. But I, I but ultimately the question for me of this parable is the same question that Jesus presents right the way through. Um, who's king? Are you mm. king or or is he king? And if he's king, this stuff will come out of who you are. But I I if we are comfortable middle class Westerners who have a, a little bit of Jesus on the side, um, this is a scary parable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. It ties in with the last few weeks of who, who is the Lord of your life, or whose kingdom are you building? And and this this parable is quite clear which kingdom they're building. Um, yeah, I, I I'm still shuffling flat out because I I want it. I want, I want you know I want to stamp on my heart to say I am God's and I am saved. So few. And, but this one is saying, yeah, but but the judgment is going to be done by looking at your behaviour, the evidence of your salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's back to James. You know, faith without works is dead. Uh, yeah. It's all right making a profession of faith and uh, uh, claiming salvation, mm. but if you don't respond uh, to that, um, and uh, you know, there's a repentance required there that's a, a, a reversal of direction a, um, a, a dying to self you know if if, if you're not doing that um, then it's it's worthless and that's mm. what this is saying that's the goats mm. you know, the goats say oh yeah you know I'll claim my salvation but oh don't want to actually do anything <laughs> or but the, I, I, I guess the, the the issue then becomes there's all sorts of shades of grey if you want, if you want to, to mm. well did I do enough as uh, as mm. said you know um, uh, but mm. that's not our judgment to make it's what our no. hearts where our hearts are we're imperfect yes. we're going to fail um, but it's where our hearts are and the direction that we we want to go. And last week we said you you can't earn your way to heaven or to salvation, but this parable makes people want to do enough to earn it. If if it's if it's read uncautiously, if it was remotely possible, yeah, that's right. All right, can keep moving forward? We could keep talking about that one for a few centuries, um, as, as many people have through the history. John, you said. Um, let me get my thoughts together. You said being being in God's will is the safest place you can be. Mm. And then gave quite a few examples of what I wouldn't call safe. Do you want to explain that? Well, I, I, it came to me that that was um, a saying that I'd heard many times that, you know, uh, safest place to be was in, in God's will. Mm. But then when I was thinking through this, you know, thing, it's not really a, a safe theology. This is not mm. what it's about. Uh, how can we possibly expect to be safe? Um, we're not called to be safe. The church isn't called to, I think the quote was, but the, the church isn't um, called to survive history. Mm. It's called to serve. Yeah. And, uh, uh, which is really a, a one of the practical outcomes of what we've just been talking about in mm. church better to serve. Uh, 
Um, I suppose it takes us strongly down a social justice uh, type of Christianity, um, which uh, <clears throat> some people think is uh, an overstep. Uh, but I think it's quite clear that we should we need to be doing it. Yeah. Mm. Matt, do you have a response to that? Yeah. Well, <coughs> it is true that there is always there is always a danger of trying to earn your way to heaven. But it's also true that uh, if you're not loving people, if you're not caring about justice in society, if you're not caring about the poor, uh, then it does raise pretty big questions about what place God has in, has in your life. And yet it's not like, I, I, I think we have the wrong like, picture of safety. Yeah. Um, I, I, ultimately, being in God's hands is the, the safest place you can be. No yeah. question. Um, from an eternal perspective. From an eternal perspective. But um, I, I think our culture talks a lot about safe places and safe spaces and this, this sense that I've got to build, build enough cotton wool around me so I'm not going to get hurt. Uh, the, the only point in your life where you'll finally reach a kind of equilibrium where you're not going to uh, get hurt from outside forces is when you're dead. Like it is the, the, the journey we're all on, it, life is complicated. And I, uh, I, it's interesting for me, I, I've been tracking a bit in myself how sometimes I just want to close in and cocoon in and, and, and watch TV and get, out, get away from reality. But the, whenever you see Jesus talking about his followers he, and, and using metaphors and things, he's, he's talking about growing and changing. He's not happy for us just to cocoon and stay where we are like if, if you're the same person you are you are now that you were last year there's something wrong uh, we're being called to change and grow and and life is going to throw curveballs and it is going to be difficult and as john said there isn't a safe way to take up your cross there's, there's not a there's not a pain-free way to get onto a cross it's painful and inherently painful but it's it, it, it is that cross is the process of dying to yourself and letting jesus be king like the the only way jesus is king is if you are prepared to die to yourself and so it's not so yeah, it's, it's challenging it's challenging but it is true and, and, and avoiding social justice uh is a sign that you're full of yourself hmm. And in um, in London at Westminster Cathedral on the Eastern Wall, it's, it's called the Wall of Martyrs, and they have dozens of statues of people who've been martyred in recent history. Um, I also worked with Open Doors for four years, um, and martyrdom is a common theme. But I, I know that countless times the, the persecuted brothers and sisters would say, don't, don't pray that we would find safety, but pray that we will remain faithful. And... Mm. And, and they were consistently saying, "No, we don't. We don't want the absence of danger. We actually want to be faithful in serving Christ, where He has us, where He's placed us, yeah, which is an eternal perspective." 
And wouldn't it be wouldn't it be wonderful if we were praying that? But I, mm. I think our culture says look for safety, look for comfort. comfort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not at risk of much danger where I live. No. Well, it's a bit worse than that because we think danger is somebody criticizing us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, rather than that, actually. Um, yeah, throwing bricks. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we need to move on a little bit. So, John, you also so you talked about these three things that Jesus reminds us reminds us of, and then you talked about three elements um, that are important based well, on the parable. Where it went from that was well, if if this is um, the situation, uh, there's going to be judgment, and the and the basis for judgment is going to be our love for others in our world now what does that look like um uh, what would a, a good christian life be built on and uh, uh, there was a um, uh, when i was doing the prison ministry the kairos um, uh, model um, used these three elements um, and I thought that it was entirely uh, appropriate and fitted beautifully yeah. into what I wanted to say that uh, that we talked to uh, about spirituality and what that was like and about God's word and how important that was and then what actions we would take um, so mm -hmm. that there were those three three mm -hmm. things and uh, uh, you know, the spirituality is about our relationship and it's about us and what's it's a personal thing um, yeah. uh, and reading God's word and learning it's sort of us we could we can do it ourselves but it's a good idea to listen to other people and and, yeah. and learn from what they have to say and then there's the action of putting it all in, in into practice which is yeah. their stuff Mm. which it can't be just about us but I, the, I thought the nice sort of twist on, on that was the concept that you know it's not to make us feel good it, it's not our it's not our love out of our hearts mm. it's god's love through yeah. us that's yeah. the important mm. thing and yeah. if we don't actually express that if we say you know, um, here's a gift. Mm. Yeah, and let them assume it's from us. Uh, we're sort of partly missing the point, and yeah. we really need to say, you know, this is a Christian act. This is this is we're, this is God's love for you. It's not me giving you. It's it's it's, mm. it's, it's God working through me. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think we do that. I don't think we do that well at all. Mm. Matt, I wouldn't mind hearing your take on that one. The spirit, so spirituality and then uh, discovery and then Christian action. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I think we put it in, in our church that, that everything comes down to following Jesus and that's the, the spirituality side of stuff. And, and, and there's just not a... And so it has to be relational and it has to be real. Like it can't, 
it can't just be an abstraction. And and I I, I worry as people engage with this text that, that there's, a, there's a danger is that they'll just go for the action piece and miss the other two pieces. Mm-hmm. The action piece has to come from the other two pieces. If it's if religion is what happens when you divorce it from the other two. Um, yeah. uh, but but as, as I'm in a real relationship with God, I, I also need an external point of reference that calls me beyond myself because I can only see things as they are. And, and we collectively, like I, we need fellowship, but there is something, even as a fellowship, we need, we need the word of God to just be kicking us up the backside and mm-hmm. reminding us who God is and, and helping us align with his truth. And with those two bits in place, then, then you've got a foundation for action. And, and this is where James, like if you don't move to action, there, there is, it, it would be evidence that you don't have these other two things in place. Because I don't think you can have a real relationship with God uh, and be discovering more of who he is through his word and it not change you and result in action. Mm. Uh, and so I, it's a helpful three-step process to be thinking mm. of it. Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely the number of times, uh, you know, you, you read the Bible, read a passage, or you're rereading it at my age for, you know, many times, and then God puts his finger on, on the passage and you say, oh, ah, well, mm. I now understand that, or, or that's a mm. different view of it, and that's, you know, mm. your, God's word re-jigs things for you and say, well, actually, I need to do something different. I can't. Because yeah. if you're not if you're not breathing in this relationship of Christ, you know, his resurrected life, breathing in, and living in the holy spirit and if you if you don't have your finger on the pulse of the by, by reading god's word i feel like your good acts are a bit like walk around trying to do good things as a zombie you know who just is going to damage everything and wreck everything who has no life of its own but just just breaks things but, yeah. and I, th- I think this is the bit that i took home from this sermon is if it's not motivated by your relationship in christ and the grounding in his word in god's word then it's empty actions it, yeah yeah yeah. So that's that's the challenge for me to walk away with is is how do I make sure that my compassion and action and justice comes from my relationship with Christ? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's so subtle. I often talk to my kids about this kind of thing. I, I, I say, um, either way, you're going to do the dishes, <laughs> but, but the means of doing it is going to be completely different. Either you do it willingly or you do it begrudgingly, the outcome will be the same, but gee, it's going to feel different in both yeah. ways. Just, yeah. Mm. Not quite the same thing. It's kind of. Good better point. Yeah. All right, as we finish up, is there anything else? John, you told beautiful stories of um, people who were giving their all for their faith. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I'm not not moved to tears very often in a sermon, but it was twice when I felt quite emotional as you were sharing people committing their life in different ways. Yes, I, I couldn't go past them. Um, I fell across uh, three books in a, a second-hand book stall in Perth in Western Australia a number of years ago, uh, which were the, um, the keynote spe- speeches from the UK Keswick Convention. Uh, 
um, one of them had the Clive, a wonderful um, lecture by Clive Carver, where he used those two, and they have stuck with me, um, mm. carried them with me ever since I first read mm. them, and um, I often take them back there. And um, yeah, uh, they're powerful, powerful illustrations. Uh, mm. have, and, and rather than repeating them here, I'd really encourage people to go back to the YouTube sermon from last Sunday and actually yeah. have a listen. I, I, they're, they're quite long stories, but I really encourage people, if you haven't heard them, go back and have a listen. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's moving seeing people who are committing their all to follow Christ. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think... He was shocked. <laughs> he, he was confronted by the response, which was uh, um, the, the key thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple enough question of what, what, well, if you're in danger, why are you here? And they say, well, mm. that's what Christians do, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, how are we now? easy middle western culture do we work on this well i tried to point out a few just a, a few areas of uh, mm. what's going on in our state mm. yep yeah 1600 uh, foster kids at the moment in tasmania yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah not and less than half of them actually having yeah, stability. Like Seventy percent of our women being turned away from crisis accommodation. Yeah, things like that. Those are clear you know, areas, and that's just you know, tip of the iceberg. There's plenty more that you could I could have chosen. To, yeah. To, just as illustrations. I mean, I'm not yes. suggesting that those things are, you know top of the list and what people need to rush out there but Matt, what, if you want some examples of it and, and uh, where you can uh, be serving the world there's mm. three mm. yeah matt you're you're encouraging us to be a church that seeks that encourages people to find their calling that yeah. relates pretty strongly to this john explain that yeah i i believe the more i talk to people it usually takes a few layers i know and even recently it's, kept, it's taken me a few years to get to know people some some guys uh, but I, I feel like everyone i talk to if you think enough and if you stop and reflect enough there's been a point in your life where god has shown you the call he has on your life uh, and life comes in and gets inv involved, and and it, and it sometimes gets expressed in different ways. And uh, but if you, there is usually I haven't met anybody yet. If you, but it does take a bit of digging because life life comes in over the top of it. But there is a there is a, a call that God has on everybody's life, and and. It ultimately is about this stuff. It's about reflecting his love to the world. Uh, some of us uh, are, are called to, you know, 
be carers on the front line and be, be sort of uh, be people who, who bring uh, hospitality. I, I actually was talking to, a, to one of my mates who, who just, when he stops and thinks about it, he, he, he had a dream as a 20-year-old just to be uh, the kind of person that people could just sort of drop into and, 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 and be friends with, just sort of be spontaneous and be a connector. And you can see that in his personality. He's just a, a natural connector. And, gee, we need more of those sort of people. There, and there isn't a particular way that has to be expressed, but he, said he knows that's how God's wired him, to be a kind of a glue that holds people together. Uh, or talk to somebody else who feels like it's his job to... God gave him a, a job to look after lots of different people who are seeking God's will. And, sort of, and, and he had this picture of him sort of being a sort of a, 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 a connector to lots of different people. And I, the more I talk to people, the more I realise um, like no one of us can do everything. We're not called to do that. Like not everybody listening to this or watching this is called to respond to the foster care need. Some are. Uh, and it will be an expression of how God has called you uniquely. Uh, and as a church, I believe it's our task to help people do the, the digging, to, uh, to help remove all the layers of dirt and complications that have got in the road and help polish up that, that calling and then help people think through, how do I express that calling in the context God has me now, in the, at the stage of life God has me now? And that's how the world changes. As, as the church becomes a platform for its people to be who they were always called to be and express God's love in time and space. So um, I, I hope and pray that we can get better at it and more and more of us will be able to say, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I'm called to do. Uh, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's where you'll be fulfilled. You'll, you'll be able to be full and, and live a whole life and not having to sort of sit on... The, the sense that I should be doing more or something's doing something else. Uh, so so I, I think that when you get down to it, this is how the church changes the world, by people being faithful to who God's called them to be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And as a younger man, like probably 10, 15 years ago, I really watched several people who had climbed to the top of their career. They Financially, they had reached some stability and they get to the point where you think, okay, now I've got the luxury to be able to actually serve God's kingdom. Um, and for each of the guys that I worked with um, and women about finding their calling, they all really regretted that they'd spent some of the most productive years of their life not following that calling yeah. um, and really missed out. Um, but, yeah, it's a, tough, it's a tough one. Yeah. So we would encourage you. Don't hold it to yourself. Get it out in the open. Talk about what's God called you to, what's he asking of you. Yes. Have a few friends that you trust that you can really work it through with. Yep. Don't just um, do anything silly, but make sure it's God-ordained. <laughs> so I've seen a bit of escapism as well from reality this way. But um, yep. really encourage you to bring it out into the open, to pray, to ask God, what is my calling? How can I serve you? Yeah. So that's and just in a writer, we need to keep saying a measure of your calling is that you won't be focused on yourself. Mm. Um, 
what often passes for calling is idolatry, where it's, uh, I want to be a rock star or I want to be a, you know, and, and they're mm. looking for a role to shore up their egos where actually God calls us to all kinds of roles in service of the of the calling he has for us. And it's not it's not going to be in service of you. It's going to be in service of God and others. Mm. Yeah. We need to finish up. John, do you want to throw anything in to finish up with? No, I'm just um, uh, grateful that I was able to get through it and um, that uh, the feedback has been people were moved by it and I hope yes. that it's added to their lives. Yeah. So grateful for the work you did, John. And I, I actually, I want to also, Dan, to say I, I love the song we finished with. I feel, I feel like it captured a bit of the heart we want to be as a church and it captured the, the spirit of the sermon. And, and, I, I, and again, I think people, you need to go back and watch the service to catch that. But I think you get a bit of a, a sense who God was calling us to be through this sermon and, and, and I think the song is sort of consolidating that and saying, yeah, this is, this is who we want to be. Uh, absolutely. The feedback I've had, everybody was um, really touched by that. Uh, it was so appropriate. didn't matter that they uh, didn't really know it because it was uh, a simple tune and the words were so effective, hmm. appropriate. Um, so um, most of them said, well, I hope we sing that again. So. Mm, yeah, good, good. <laughs> All right, we need to finish up. I'll I'll pop a link to the song in the in the chat as well. But that's great, guys. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, again, people, just keep popping in your questions, especially mm. this week. Um, this coming Sunday, we've uh, we're looking at um, Matt's going to do a Q and A sort of session of what are your questions about the teaching of Jesus that we've been through in the last few months. Um, a lot of that is about the end of an, an age or the Yep, all the eternity, heavens, all sorts of things. So we'd love you to be able to get some questions to us. One way you can do that is in the chats here. So, yeah, so any questions you have about what we've covered over the last few months, get the questions down so that Matt can actually have a go at preparing to answer them. Um, yeah, so I think we'll yeah. leave it there. Is that, that all right? Thanks, Absolutely. guys, for joining us. Okay, thank you. Next time.